Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hi there, this is Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to invite you to join me for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Today, come on in, because we're going to be doing a primer on propaganda and a, a few other goodies, and I want you to join me so that you can learn how to not fall prey to the trickery and the deception that is afoot. It is time to continue to mentally strengthen your ability to not only catch wisdom but be wise out here in these streets so come on join me on the flip as we talk about your eyes are open but can you see i'll see you on the flip All right. Thank you so much for joining me on the flip. Let's get on into it. So when we talk about eyes open, but can you see? It's almost like the same thing of saying um, you hear the words, but are you listening? And so what I want to appeal to you today is, is we're going to be looking at I'm, I'm going to call this a primer on propaganda. And if I can, I'll get to a few other things. But I. Am, um, I'm determined, if I can, to remind you guys of things that you already know. You may not use the same terminology and you may not put it in the same order that I'm going to present it today, but you know these things. Inherently, you know them. If you are of adult age and have been interacting in society for any amount of time. And the reason why we're having this conversation today about making sure that even though your eyes may be wide open, you need to see is because there are a lot of different mental trickeries that are happening and have always happened and will continue to happen. But for these people who listen to this podcast and seek wisdom, we want to make sure that you get every opportunity possible to be on the lookout for strengthening your mental capacity to the point where wisdom is able to get you to sidestep all of the traps that are out there to trick you and to get you uh, to do things that you would not have normally done. And so because we've got these pandemics and we've got all this stuff going on, there is a lot to be said for some of the tactics that are in use right under our noses. So I'm going to move through this kind of quickly, and I may not be able to get everything done today, but I'm hoping my goal is to get you going. So let me just go on and start with the term propaganda. And I want to say this, that propaganda is not a contemporary term. It was really brought to the forefront by uh, Edward L. Bernays, and I've mentioned him before, and they call him the godfather of public relations, which would then be turned into the name 
propaganda, but it has a history well into antiquities, uh, in uh, especially in the areas of warfare, government, of religion, and and the like. And so we have good old Genghis Khan for uh, his uh, manipulation of uh, these tactics and Shaka Zulu from the Zulu tribe for his understanding of propaganda. They were some of the ones touted for their military strategy in understanding the true essence of what it takes to win in uh, war and battles. Now, some of you guys may know because I've said it enough, that I am continuing to study wartime strategy and tactics throughout the ages. And that's so that I can be able to uh, grow in my understanding of what's afoot and, and grow in learning and doing what it is that I need to learn and do uh, to to stay sane, to stay healthy, and to stay in a position where I'm malleable for wisdom to come in. And what Genghis Khan and Shaka Zulu and many others did was is they started to understand how to use propaganda. So propaganda is a form of communication or messaging that's created to influence the attitudes of a community or a group of people toward a cause or a position. Now, the problem is, is that a lot of times this is done by presenting only one side of a story or a a skewed perspective, or even alternative facts that border on lies. You see, propaganda is used to influence an audience and further an agenda by using selective facts or points. And the way these military geniuses thrived in this is that they understood that you can do more damage through deceptive mental games than you ever have to do through hand-to-hand combat, battle, or engagement in uh, uh, fighting. So what they would do is, instead of just using propaganda to get their own people riled up for why they needed to go take this land or defend this land or or do whatever it was to their enemies, because a lot of times this warfare would benefit the leaders by, you know, war spoils, uh, the the spoils of war and increasing their ability to tax folks and to, uh, well, just no, it came down to power, money and status a lot of times. But you still had to get the people to help you out because you can't go to war by yourself, can you? No. So that was part of the the propaganda used for the people within their communities. But this is where they really Stride, I uh, sur- um, surpassed others who would go on to learn from them, and that was they started to learn how to use propaganda against their per- perceived enemies, and that was to go in, send in il- infantrators, messengers, not warriors, messengers who were able to start rumors, rumors of wars, and uh, rumors of uh, phantasmal expanse of what this military could do, what they were capable of, to the point where they would paint them as almost a preternatural superhuman, where Genghis Khan was noted as being able to defeat 
a lot of his enemies who had way larger forces because of these tactics of getting people fearful, full of anxiety, uh, to believe that he had this massive force when a lot of times his army was way smaller than the one he was going up against. And thus he was able to allow their own minds to defeat them. And he would just nudge it a little bit. If we have time, note to self, we will talk about nudge theory before we get out of here, if we have time. So I wanted to just give you a little understanding about how that can work. Now, with regards to propaganda, understand this, that it is pre- it's prevalent in our lives. Don't shake your head and say, oh no, I can't be, I can't be uh, duped by propaganda. Nine times out of 10, you are. And the reason why is because it is in everything. It's in um, religion depending on what flavor you want. It's in wars. And like I said before, wars, wartime, it's in your government, it's in politics, it's especially in advertising. And so even if you've never been into religion, you've never been into politics, you've never been into government or nationalism or any of that kind of stuff, if you've ever bought anything or interacted with any kind of marketing materials, you have come up in contact and most likely been influenced by propaganda. So with that being said, I'm going to go on and go over some types of propaganda and then talk a little bit about how to make sure that you can see with your eyes for yourself because we don't want to become collateral damage in these mental wars that are afoot. You guys, we are in the midst of pandemics with S on that. And it is up up to us to shake off the slothfulness of our minds, of the programming that we've been um, uh, that we that we've been in for so many years to start truly seeing, and what a time like now to be able to do it. Okay, so I'm gonna go over like ten quick ones, and then I'm gonna talk a little bit uh, more detailed about them by giving them a, a name that when you hear it or see it, you'll know what it means. Okay, so. There are 10 generalized ways of looking at propaganda that is across the board. You'll find that there are some that work better in uh, warfare, in politics, uh, in nationalism, in advertising, in religion, even in relationships. But we're going to go over these 10 general ones. And this is not an exhaustive list, y'all. This is just, I wanted to give y'all nine of these. And I'm going to give you like, excuse me, 10 of these. And I'm going to give you nine of uh, the proper terms so that you'll have a well-rounded foundation for propaganda. Okay. So uh, here they are. Emotional appeal, glittering generalities, testimonials, bandwagon, plain folks, scientific approach, card stacking, snob appeal transfer and name calling. So let me go over those quickly. For an emotional appeal, appeal, it's where you appeal to the emotions of your audience, usually referencing the possibilities of the future, whether they're good or bad. You can paint a dystopian future if they don't do something that you wanted them to do. Or you can paint a, a utopian heaven future if they get on board with you. A lot of times this is used in politics. It has been said and observed that politicians who paint a glorious future for their followers tend to outperform those who paint a future of doom for their followers. So people love the what's in it for me. And if you can emotionally pull at their heartstrings of how things are going to be great, if they follow you, That's the emotional appeal. Glittering generalities. 
This is when you seek to make people approve and accept of your idea, your project, um, your argument, whatever it is, and accept it without examining the evidence. It's where you just glitter everything. You glitter bomb everything to make it look like it's perfectly beautiful. Why would you think anything else? And you're so busy painting this utopian um, presence for people that you're like, look at the great and wonderful Oz. Do not look behind that curtain of the little man sweating and running around to power this illusion. So that's what they mean by glittering generalities. Then, of course, you have testimonials. And shout out to Robert Caldini. I've talked about his six um, principles of influence before. You can Google it. I don't have time to go over them right now. But testimonials fits into the social proof Uh, principle that he's talked about. And testimonials of famous people or figures who appear to be trustworthy and speak to the audience on your behalf and your cause carry a lot of weight with people. Yes, testimonials are propaganda. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Bandwagon. This is where FOMO, you know it, fear of missing out. Everyone else is doing it, so you should too. That's what it really means. Then we got plain folks. And this is a tactic where the speaker attempts to convince your audience that um, they and their ideas are of the people. They attempt to present themselves as a representative of the plain folk because I'm a plain, I'm just like you, that kind of thing. And then I'm going to fight for you. I'm of the people. (laughs) All right. Then we have the scientific approach one. And this one is prevalent. It is all over the place. And yes, you have been duped by it. Nine out of 10 uh, did disagree, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So with the uh, scientific approach, it's where they use scientific jargon, numbers, stats, and data to convince you that this is legit, okay? Then we have the card stacking one, and that's where they only present one side of the issue and situation. Now, when we talk about propaganda, this is the one that most people think is propaganda, and they are right because it is used all over the place. and It makes it so easy because when you present one side of the um, situation, you can make it where you can find a little bit of pro and con on that side. But it is up to the person to say, "Okay, I hear what you're saying. Now let me go and do my own due diligence and let me hear from all the different sides. Because it's not just about a for or against. There are many different complexions, angles, perspectives, fractals, if you will, of an argument. And if I say nothing else, I want you to understand that card stacking, where you're presenting only one side of the situation, is uh, prevalent. Most people get duped by this one. Even though you know it's there, you get duped because people don't want to do their research. They don't want to go and vet what folks are saying. Okay, so be aware of that one. So now this one, this one is called snob appeal. And it's where you're given the impression that people of wealth and prestige are on board with whatever this is. That's why you get a lot of celebrity endorsements for stuff. And people would buy it in droves because this fave and that celeb and this person of power uses it. So I must use it. It's amazing when you see... um, not only celebrities, but when you see like um, our, 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 our cousins over the water, when the royal family would come out before 
the pandemic, when they would come out, if the baby had on a pair of shoes or something, everybody was finding the shoes and buying them out. If the, if the, one of the princesses wore a dress, same thing. And so that's where this snob appeal comes in because people want to feel wealthy. It has been noted and documented that we are more concerned with the feeling of wealth than actual wealth. And if we can feel that, then they have us. And so they know how to use this. So that's snob appeal. Then we have what's called transfer. And this is where you take the good feelings of one thing and then you put them on to something else. It's kind of like you associate them. It's kind of like if A and B, then B and C, that kind of thing. And so when you take these positive ideas and feelings and transfer them to another thing, it does not it does not click to us, especially if the delivery is smooth, that that's what's happening. But you need to be on the lookout. OK, then this one. Oh, my gosh. Name calling. Yes, you are aware of it. And this is where you link people or ideas to a negative symbol. OK, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hop on over to. Uh, the some proper terms, if you will, that you might hear so that you'll be aware of them. And then we, if we can, we'll close it out and I'll give you a few things on how to work on yourself with being able to see past all of the propaganda so that you have a, um, a decent chance of not being swayed and not um, becoming a victim of mental deception and trickery. Okay, so real quick. I've got nine of them I'm going to go through and they're going to cover what we just talked about, but I'm just going to give you kind of like a, a, a bit more on it. All right. So the first one I want to talk about is called ad hominem, ad hominem, H-O-M-I-N-E-M, ad hominem. And this is a Latin term uh, that's used where it's name calling. It's where you attack your opponent instead of the argument that your opponent is making. So you have seen it. Someone comes out against something that you do, something that you believe or something that you say. And instead of addressing that, you go and you dig up that time when they got a DUI and you try to discredit them and call them names. A lot of times this has happened with victims where a victim uh, has been assaulted. And instead of deal with what happened, they go and they vilify the victim's background. That's ad hominem. Name calling is not good. Don't fall for it, okay? Especially if you see someone not addressing the issue at hand and instead of trying to give you a dossier uh, to sway your opinion of the person. The next one, so you had ad hominem name calling. The next one is ad nauseum. And this one, I am always amazed at how it affects all of us. It is so simple, brilliant, and we fall for it. Stop doing it. I have to remind myself, this is ad nauseum. Stop it. So ad nauseum means a tireless uh, repetition of an idea, especially a simple phrase or a slogan. And this simple phrase or a slogan, it gets repeated enough times to where it becomes um, taken as the truth. And it works the best. It works the best if the the, uh, propagator of this term can get the media to use it or if they can control the narrative or if they can have it limited to where the people that they need to sway only get a limited amount of information where 
their propaganda message is prevalent, okay? And you know what this is. You've heard it in recent days. Now, I'm going to just pick out the ones that are fresh on my mind. This is not about me and politics or any of that kind of stuff. But you've heard them. Things like fake news, lock somebody up, uh, uh, no collusion. Uh, it's a hoax. It, you know, those types of things. And you'll hear people repeating them over and over again to where if enough people that satisfy that particular social group uh, say it, then they believe it. So be aware of that one. And it's like I said, this is not about any kind of politics or whatever. I'm independent. You know, I don't care. I'm just letting you know. So the next one. So if you had ad hominem, ad nauseum. The next one is appeal to authority. And this is where you see this a lot of times in ads. This is where you use some type of prominent figure to support your position, your idea or your argument. And this prominent figure doesn't necessarily have to even know about you. They may have simply agreed with something in kind that was totally unrelated. And then you go get it and you use their likeness and their name and you sway people to believe that, oh, if they like you, then I like you. Or if they, you know, agree with you, then I agree with you. So that's appeal to authority. The next one is appeal to fear. And of course, you are aware of this. You have fear mongering, war mongering, all these other kinds. But it's when you start to see or receive or create messages that seek to instill anxiety and panic in the general population. And that to me is, it's clear, uh, you know, what that means. So here's a new one. Here's another one, not a new one, of the appeals. You have appeal to prejudice. Now, appeal to prejudice is a lot of times used in nationalism, in politics, oh, in religion. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because it uses a lot of loaded or emotional terms. You've heard the term dog whistling um, and, and the like. This is where you find it. So it uses these emotive terms and words to attach a value or a moral goodness by believing the proposition that's being made. It's usually used in bias and misleading ways, and that's called the appeal to justice. So, so far, we've talked about ad hominem, which is name calling, ad nauseum, which is tireless repetition of a simple phrase or a slogan. We've talked about appeal to authority is where you snatch some kind of um, prominent figure and attach them to your cause. Appeal to fear is where you stir the pot of anxiety and panic and appeal to justice, uh, prejudice, excuse me, when you use these loaded emotive words uh to get people in an uproar yeah so we talked about bandwagon but I listed it here again because I wanted to make sure that we go into this fear of missing out kind of thing and this bandwagon one is where it is an attempt to persuade the target audience to jo join the cause or even even take a course of action because everyone is doing it then there's this, a next one and the reason why I wanted to say bandwagon again is because within bandwagon, you're going to find the next two and they're going to be inevitable, vic inevitable victory and join the crowd. So with inevitable victory, this is where you invite people that are not already on the bandwagon to join because with the mounting uh, uh, popularity of the cause, it's an inevitable victory. And you want to and, and people who use this do this so that they can gain more people while assuring those who might be shaky or on the fence that they've done the right thing. Then under this 
bandwagon, you've got join the crowd. And this, of course, is the technique that reinforces people's natural desires to be on the winning side. People love heroes and they love to be on the winning side. It is used uh, to convince the audience that your message, program, idea, or even movement is an expression of an irresistible mass movement and that it's in their best interest to join. Then we have what is called beautiful people. And the beautiful people one is uh, the snob appeal that we talked about of wealthy people wanting to feel wealthy. It uh, encompasses glittering generalities. It encompasses plain folk uh, and encompasses testimonial. So with the beautiful people uh, way of propaganda, this message is it works on the subconscious by using either famous, attractive, happy, or successful people to make others think they too will be famous, attractive, happy, or successful if they accept, buy, or follow certain practices and ideologies, okay? Now, I know I ran over those. I know it's a lot. Just listen to this again. You'll get it, okay? And Google, you know, Google propaganda as well. But what I want to say here is now that we've done this quick little primer of going through the different types of propaganda, we now need to look at how it can be seen or viewed in the wild. And so the first thing is, is I'm going to quickly talk about the beginner. It's kind of like the gateway to, to propaganda, and it's called nudge theory. And with nudge theory, nudge theory is not propaganda. What it is, is it is a presentation that allows you to take advantage of it without it being, uh, without there being any information manipulated or even any kind of verbal communication at all. So you have nudge theory all the time. You see it in the wild. Nudge theory is when you check out at the grocery and they have things at the checkout, magazines, mints, gums, candies, or whatever. That's nudge theory. Nudge theory is the famous experiment at the Amsterdam airport where in the men's bathrooms, they painted, are y'all ready for this? They painted little flies in the urinal close to the spigot where the, you know, the, the urine should go down to help with better aim. Uh, other nudge theories are when you see uh, a checkout online or otherwise, and you'll see, a well, online, you'll see a radio button next to different options, and they'll put something as the default. It has been done uh, in, in many countries. Uh, there was a famous, um, uh, not experiment, but a famous uh, report on a country who was able to drastically increase the number of uh, willing uh, organ donors by instead of giving them choices of uh, whether they wanted to be an organ donor or not, they made organ donor to default. And if they didn't want to, then they needed to check the other button, which was right below it. But because or organ donor was the default, people just was like, oh, okay, so that's that's usual and customary. So that's the nudge theory. And that is kind of like the gateway for getting people to uh, be more receptive to a lot of these uh, propagandas that we've just talked about. So that is the first thing. The next thing about Opening your eyes to see and being aware of propaganda is 
Who benefits if I take this action? I've talked a little bit about this in previous podcasts to get you to start understanding the questions that you need to ask yourself. Who benefits? Who wrote this? Uh, How is this constructed? Are there any kind of words or meanings, implied, covert, or otherwise, that are set to uh, that are are created to set a mood? So, I mean, set a tone so that they can affect my mood. These are just simple questions to start asking yourself when you encounter something, because too many years we have uh, been able to still get, for the most part, what we want. And allowed ourselves, and I don't want to say that categorically, but a lot of people have allowed ourselves to be tricked and be uh, manipulated, I'm just going to say it, by some of these tactics. And I want to talk about a few right now. So um, bear with me. Right now, um, now these are political ones that I want to make you guys aware of. So it's called, it's part of the soft political power. Uh, propaganda arm, and you might be very familiar with it. One of the biggest ones that has happened, not one, two, of the biggest ones that have happened have been first where we uh, had pandas uh, from the uh, Asian countries uh, giving us pandas for our zoos because everybody loves pandas. Mm -hmm. And so by having that quote-unquote goodwill The pandas are sent over sometimes forever, but sometimes on loan. And I got, I'm not going to go down there, but you you had that. But then in the 1990s and onward, another big political soft power started to uh, uh, arise. And it was a cultural one called K-pop, Korean pop. And it was a way for, uh, the Korean culture to uh, gain, if you will, what we would now call the charm offensive. And I only got like a minute to go over this. So y'all bear with me. So the charm offensive is when you do good deeds in, in return for perception of favor and of being in a good light. Okay, so instead of having hard power, which is military force and might, it is soft power where it is ingratiating you to another culture. There is a current charm offensive that is going on uh, right now uh, through our, 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 our cousins over there in China. One of them directly related to the coronavirus where this a charm uh, offen- uh, offensive is where China is paying for lunches for medical workers in rural American towns. They're donating PPEs, which are, you know, personal protective equipment and ventilators. Uh, and it's being called the mask diplomacy, where they are trying to spread goodwill to lessen the impact of potential uh, lawsuits and, and everything because of the coronavirus. Uh, there have been many times they have done this, but most recently they had an additional one called the Belt and Road Initiative, where they have, and I've already talked about this in another podcast, where they were willing to spend a trillion dollars to help developing countries so that these countries would be beholden and, and sometimes indebted to them financially and politically. And so I am saying this to help you to understand, start looking at who benefits Why would they do something like this? Who is behind it? 
Open your eyes, people. So guess what? Yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. I'll see you soon. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.